Glenn Thrush with Politico's podcast again. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, before the first Republican uh, presidential debate, we had a chance to sit down with former New York Governor George Pataki uh, to ask him what it's like to get uh, the view of Donald Trump from the back of the school bus. Um, what's it like to be up on stage with these guys? What is his view of uh, the rest of the candidates and the field? How to try to punch through to get past 1%, which is where uh, Pataki sits right now. Um, I think a lot of people forget that this guy uh, was a star uh, about 10 or 15 years ago in New York. He was uh, elected twice, was a very popular governor, particularly in the wake of the September 11th attacks. And then he kind of took a very long sabbatical and decided for reasons that he gets into in this interview uh, to jump back in. But what I thought was interesting were two things. First of all, uh, he was very gingerly, as everybody is, about uh, Donald Trump. He was less constrained in his uh, discussion, and I'm an old New Yorker, uh, so this was of interest to me. Uh, he really doesn't like Bill de Blasio, the current mayor of New York, and thinks he's really uh, the lead of a trend that's going to doom the Democratic Party nationally. Said some interesting things about that. But he also, uh, at the very tail end of the interview, when I was trying to get him to talk about uh, Governor Bush, uh, he, he was extremely reluctant. It took me a couple of minutes to get him to say anything. But then he sort of talked about this issue of dynastic politics and the fact that we're a country of over 300 million people and why do we have to get down to these two families. And I thought uh, he's the first candidate to articulate that that I've heard in this cycle. And I think he reflects the opinion of an awful lot of Americans. So with that, here's George Pataki, former governor of New York. Um, so I have to say it is, it is an interesting experience being in the Mayflower Hotel with the New York governor. <laughs> We're on one of the lower floors, thankfully. Oh, this is yeah. that hotel. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I was slow on the uptake, yes. Yeah. A different different floor and a different governor, yeah. I might add. And and thank goodness for yes, that, Governor. Thank Pataki. God for that. So let me ask you the question that everybody in New York politics wanted to know when they heard you were gonna run. Like, why did it take you so long? Like why why wait this uh, you know, I of thought time? about it in the past. I, I, I came close in two thousand and twelve. But to be perfectly honest, Mitt Romney had been running for six years, and I talked to a lot of the people who had supported me in the past, and virtually every one of them had already committed to Mitt. And to me, it was pretty obvious that he had, uh, if not a lock, a very, very strong hold on the Republican nomination. And by the way, I thought he would have been a good president had he, had he won the election. Um, but this time, uh, first of all, the need to change Washington, I think, is greater than it's ever been in my lifetime. Uh, and I believe that when I look at the field, that I have the ability to win this election, uh, and not just to win the election, but to do what needs to be done, and that is to to change the, the government once you are in office. And there are a great many people who, who can manage a government. There aren't that many who can dramatically change it, and I think we need that type of change. We've seen Lindsey Graham going from speaking in a very circumspect way about the Iran agreement to putting uh, cell phones in blenders. We've seen Rand Paul cutting, oh, cutting budget books with, with golden chainsaws, and obviously a lot of this has been prompted by Trump's interest in the in the race and sort of uh, upping the entertain the perceived entertainment value. What's it like for a guy who's trying to make a rational case to to try to be heard in this kind of environment? You know, I 
I imagine there are consultants who are saying I should set my hair on fire or do something else to get to gain attention. Uh, but I've always believed that you are who you are, and, and you stick true to the to not just your personality but your principles. And uh, I've always tried to convince people that to, to have the ability to to come to rational conclusions that are practical and that actually solve problems. And hopefully, once the entertainment sizzle dies down, people are going to say, "Well, who can win?" Who can govern this country well? Who can solve the problems we have? Who can lead in a way that brings us together instead of dividing us? And say, yeah, we've had great entertainment. It's been a lot of fun, but Pataki's the right guy to run America. Are you surprised, by the way, that Trump's been able to hijack this race? I mean, obviously, you've been around him. You know, um, in a sense, I'm surprised, and in a sense, I'm not. Um, I didn't expect the media to be so reactive to uh, his comments. But on the other hand, he is a celebrity. I imagine he has 99% name ID, had a highly rated television show, uh, and he certainly is not one to to uh, think through uh, the consequences of, of his comments before he makes them. So, so it's not something that I can control. One of the things I've always believed, you know, like I couldn't control the fact there are three million more Democrats than Republicans when I ran for governor or that I was unknown. What you can control are your ideas, your work, your your vision, uh, and your effort to connect to ordinary Americans from every walk of life across party lines and ultimately win and govern well. Did you have any, uh, you must have had interaction with him on projects yes, back in New York. Uh, yes, uh, on many different occasions. In fact, he... Uh, donated the land to uh, create a new state park in Westchester near where I'm from, uh, and we did it together. And it's one of, I think, over 60 new state parks I created, and, and I was grateful for that. I, I've always gotten along with him fine. I was quick and the first to call out his comments on Mexicans, which I think and st I thought and still think were reprehensible. Uh, it's one thing to talk about closing the border. It's one thing to talk about detaining criminals, both of which uh, criminal uh, aliens, both of which I strongly agree with. It's another to demean an entire group of people uh, as an, an, or an individual like Senator McCain. So you have to say what you believe. Um, and in those instances, I believe Donald Trump clearly crossed a line uh, and needed to be uh, called out for that. I urge all of the other Republican candidates to renounce his comments about Mexicans, and a number of them did not. And Republicans, and, uh, Republicans need uh, to attract more than just Republican-based votes. We need to attract Latino votes. Who, did, who didn't call him out? Uh, Cruz didn't? Uh, Ted Cruz didn't, and there are others as well. Uh, and I think they are going to regret that if they are the nominee come next November. Uh, but isn't that the vice that the party is in in general? You know, when you think about the immigration issue, man, it is a an incredibly torturous issue on See, one I hand. I don't think so. You don't I, think so? You don't no, think you lose? No, yeah. I, I don't think. No, I, I have never seen things that way where it's a lose-lose. I think it is not at all. I think the vast majority of Americans, including a huge percent of us Latinos, know we have to control our borders. Uh, it's not just people coming here for work. It's drug dealers. It's criminals. And I believe it is uh, radical Islamist uh, jihadists who want to use that border to bring people to attack us here. So I don't think it is in any way anti-immigrant, anti-Latino to say that we have got to control that border. Uh, and, and I don't think that standing with the principles that I believe in and most of the other 
nominee, candidates believe in, um, in any way jeopardizes our, but our par- ability the, to the party has gone so far to the right on this. In covering 2012, for instance, Mitt Romney, who started off with a position I think not too dissimilar to yours. Uh, got caught up in the self-deportation. Which, to me, was and remains completely incomprehensible. The the self-deportation thing? Yes. Yeah. Tell me why. What does it mean? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, people are going to stamp a little paper saying, I am deported, and then uh, figure out how do they get to wherever they're going. I I never understood what that meant. But how can you be – but the issue is the parties move so far to the right. It's become so much of a catchword on on immigration that anyone who even utters path to citizenship gets accused of amnesty. Let me disagree with you here. Okay. Um, Again, (laughs) I think this country, our freedom, our rights are all dependent on respect for the rule of law. We need to control our border, and no great country can, can uh, say that it has uh, respect for the rule of law if it doesn't control one of the most important fundamental uh, facts of a country, which is its border. Uh, but also, I don't think we can simply say to 11 or however many million people are here, don't worry about it. You broke the law, and there is no consequence. Um, on the other hand, it is absurd to say we're going to take 11 or 12 million people and say, here's a bus, we're sending you somewhere. So what I proposed, I think, both respects the rule of law and the practicality of the fact that millions of people have come here illegally, obeyed the law, worked, not been dependent on government, and are not going to be returning home. And what I would do is what we do in communities across America when someone has broken the law, but we're not going to put them in jail, we're not going to fine them thousands of dollars, but we want them to acknowledge respect for the rule of law, and that is demand community service. So what I would do is if someone who had come here illegally, had been here for at least five years, had not broken the law, had not been dependent on government, comes forward, acknowledges they broke the law, that they won't do it again, and agrees to perform 200 hours of community service, not just any community service, government-approved, working in a hospital, working in a school, working in a park, uh, to pay back this country for having broken the law. I think it is the right thing to do. It's not amnesty. It upholds the rule of law and respect for the rule of law, and yet it is a practical way to tell people we're not going to have 11 million people on buses going somewhere. Now, if I recall correctly, you are, if not fluent in Spanish. No, 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 no. I speak street Puerto Rican. (laughs) 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 Really? I did. I mean, that's literally I have heard you. I believe I have heard you. But it's uh, (laughs) anybody who speak Spanish laughs. Uh, Are you better than Bloomberg? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he wouldn't admit it. But I think I am that bar is very, very, very Yeah, low. that was a low bar. On the other hand, you know, I wouldn't want to try to debate uh, Bush or Rubio in Spanish. Um, but there is there is that tinge, right, with, with some of these folks. Uh, you know, there was illegal, there were a lot of Irish illegal immigrants. If yeah. Immigration, I guess a lot of immigration laws didn't exist when most of the Irish came over. My, you know, I'm Jewish. A lot of my relatives, I would not want to really look too carefully at their immigration documents. Well, we may either. have to check that out. Right. You know. <laughs> I think I'm, I'm Depending grand- how this, uh, this <laughs> report turns out. Great-grandfathered in. Um, but, uh, I mean, do you think some of this has to do with the bias against Latinos among some segments of the Republican electorate in other states? No, I think it's a legitimate concern that always exists when, particularly in a smaller rural community, all of a sudden you see uh, a number of people from a culture that is different from yours. Uh, And compounding it is the fact that there are a very high number of illegals in that group. But I don't, I think ultimately, 
Americans are intolerant people. You talked about your uh, your antecedents, uh, Jewish. My four grandparents were immigrants. And one of the reasons I felt so strongly about Trump's comments is I had a grandfather from Italy, a grandmother from Ireland, grandparents from Eastern Europe, from Hungary. And they were demeaned uh, by the culture then. You know, Italians were all criminals. Irish were all drunks. And and, and when an ethnic group like that, in this case Mexicans, is slurred, I think we have to stand up for that. But I understand the concern when literally millions of people have come here illegally. I don't think it reflects any inherent long-time bias. It reflects concerns. And, and But those concerns, just as they had for my grandparents, will pass, assuming we convince people that the rule of law will be upheld and people's rights respected. You have never, correct me if I'm wrong, this used to be uh, your rap, you have never lost an election, right? Correct. So, <laughs> why would you jump into a race in which your name... To win. <laughs> you know, very simply because I believe in my ability to lead and I believe in my ability to win. And in fact, you know, in over 90 years, there have only been two Republicans elected governor in New York State, Nelson Rockefeller and me, and we didn't quite have similar backgrounds. Right. So I didn't get into this for my health. I got into it because of the need to change the direction of Washington and my ability, I believe, to both win the election and govern and change Washington successfully. So I don't underestimate the odds. I don't underestimate the, the, the challenges that exist and, and lie ahead. But when I ran for governor, I was in Peekskill, New York. Uh, I had never raised, I don't think, more than thirty-five dollars or $45,000 for a campaign. I was an unknown running against Mario right. Cuomo, the liberal icon of America in the deepest blue state. You were the Buster Douglas of uh, New York <laughs> politics. <laughs> well, I lasted longer than Buster <laughs> That's Douglas. That's true. <laughs> but how, how, you know, but this is, come on, this is a money-saturated environment in, in a way that it has never been before. How do you get... And I don't want to uh, belabor this point because I think the challenges are obvious. But, like, looking at this situation and talking to your family about this and knowing the amount of blood, sweat, and tears that's required yeah. of this, yeah. I mean, how do you sort of game this out in a way that gets you at least into the top ten on these debates? You know, you just work hard, uh, talk seriously about issues that the American people care about. I think most importantly have a vision of the future, how Americans can be united again and have a sense of common destiny and a sense that we're all Americans as opposed to this part of this group or that group or the other group. And ultimately, I think the Amer that's what the American people want. And I believe they will hear the message. Oh, my entire career has been predicated on belief in people as opposed to elites in Washington or elites in Albany, New York, or, or elites who have to make decisions on behalf of people. And for all the flamboyance of the campaign, for all the polling numbers now, I just have this fundamental faith that if you continue to offer logical solutions, experienced leadership, a vision of America that can be as opposed to where we are today, that ultimately the people are gonna, going to embrace that vision. Um, you, uh, obviously, New York uh, State expanded uh, Medi uh, Medicaid enormously under the Obamacare provisions. Uh, states like Ohio have done that as well, mm -hmm. controversially. Kasich mm -hmm. is really taking it on the nose from some conservatives yeah. about that. Yeah. How do you think the issue of Obamacare ought to be dealt with? I think Obamacare should be repealed. I think it is the worst law of my lifetime. Uh, I honestly Would I you honestly have signed did. a Medicaid expansion for New York State? No. What I did uh, was w w when I was governor, when I became governor, 
and this is so classic, uh, after 20 years of Democratic rule, one in 11 of every man, woman, and child in the state of New York was on welfare. Just think about that for a moment. And they were on welfare, but not because they weren't good Americans who wanted to be a part of American dream, but we, the Democrats, had created a system where people were better off being dependent on government than taking that first job up the ladder of economic opportunity. Part of that was health care. Part of, that was the, part of it was the absence of jobs, and we turned around the economy and created a lot more private sector jobs, but part of it was health care. You take that 8 or $9 an hour job, and instead of being on Medicaid where health care is provided for, all of a sudden, what are you going to do for health care for your kids? So we created two new programs in the state, uh, patient-centric, privately marketed, state-sponsored uh, family health, where low-income adults above the Medicaid level could get quality health care privately marketed at very low cost, and in, in some instances, if you were earning $16,000, $18,000 a year at no cost, uh, um, subsidized by the state tobacco revenues. We created another program, Healthy New York. If you were an entrepreneur with a small business on the corner, if you worked for a small business that didn't offer health care, um, we created a program, Healthy New York, where they could pool together and access the same thing, an affordable, state-sponsored, privately marketed health care um, um, insurance policy. And that program was so successful that by the time I left, we no longer needed state support. It was supporting itself because we, unlike Obamacare, we had healthy people voluntarily enroll because it was a quality program that was affordable that protected them. And when we left, we had hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people who hadn't previously been uninsured, insured, as opposed to under Obamacare. Uh, we didn't change the entire system and disrupt other people's health care. And it's one of the reasons when I left, we had over one million fewer people on welfare than the day I took office. So it's not simply Obamacare is a bad law. It is. It has driven up costs. It has hurt people's health care policies. It is hurting the delivery of health care. It has imposed massive new taxes like on prosthetic devices that should go away. It also has crowded out or, or actually forced out intelligent alternatives like what I had in New York. That program is gone now, replaced by the Obamacare exchanges. Now, one of the uh, uh, other things that happened is you got to know Hillary Clinton during the post-reconstruction yes, effort in 9-11. Uh, and and if I recall correctly, you guys praised each other's work yes, at that period of time. Yes. What do you think of her? What do you think of her as a senator? And I, what do you think we of her worked as very well together. Uh, uh, and, you know, I'm an honest guy. Uh, and she was a hardworking senator who cared about New York, uh, which is one of the reasons I've been so disappointed uh, in her role as Secretary of State and now as a presidential candidate. I mean, uh, as Secretary of State, whether Benghazi really troubles me to this day, uh, not just what happened, but uh, the cover-up that is clearly you don't think she's telling you don't think then. she's telling the truth. I don't think so. All you have to do is look at the. I mean. The security breach of having her emails on a private server in her house are enormous. We know that foreign governments have hacked into the president's emails. We know they have hacked into the central command. Jay Johnson just uh, talked about the blunder he made in letting, not in having a private server, but letting his private emails be on his government server. 
we there's no question that there are 30,000 emails that the American public and Congress have not seen that the Chinese or the Iranians or someone else have seen. Does this, and that does, is does simply it, wrong. Does this issue question her fitness uh, yes. to run? There's no question about it. Um, and then I'm also just really appalled uh, that she has embraced uh, the Iranian nuke deal, which I think is just First of all, it was a treaty. Uh, if ever in my lifetime there has been something that is a treaty, an agreement between nine or more countries lasting decades, affecting everything from trade to, to weapons, if that's not a treaty, I don't know what is a treaty, and it should have been treated as such by the Obama administration and Congress. Uh, but it's a very bad deal, and she was quick to embrace it. So, yes, I, I don't think... Uh, she is the right person, uh, remotely the right person, to be the next leader of this country. And do you think she's even fit to run, based on the well, sort of I, questions I, that you I would never say someone is fit to run or not to run. It's a personal decision. It's up to the public and to even decide even You feel that way even about Donald Trump? <laughs> this is a free country. Right. You can run. There are, I believe there have been a number of candidates who have run who never should have run, but the American people generally have the wisdom to understand that. Uh, one last question. Uh, a, a little bit of the Wayback Machine. Your, uh, well, he, not your direct successor, Andrew Cuomo, but uh, I'm sure uh, you've watched what he's done with uh, mm -hmm. some interest. Mm -hmm. He he, uh, he looked like he was going to be an early uh, 2016 contender. What happened there? I mean, what do you think of the way that he's governed the state? Clearly, uh, he has made himself a fair share of enemies, uh, potentially uh, the liberal Democratic mayor of New York. You know, um I like to just answer questions uh, openly, but I made a pledge to myself that I wouldn't criticize my successors. Uh, and one of the reasons was I beat his father. And for 12 years, the press was continually trying to get Mario Cuomo to criticize me. And out of respect for the office, he never did. Uh, and that graciousness is something that I will never forget. And so I certainly have disagreements politically and philosophically with some of the go Governor Cuomo's positions today, but out of respect, uh, I will tell them to him privately. Uh, you have no such constraints with Bill de Blasio. You, no, you have not, not defeated all. any of his relatives, not as far all. as I can tell. <laughs> no, and they, and they haven't treated me with respect either. I think he's a terrible mayor, and I th but I think he is indicative of the new Democratic Party. You know, the Democratic Party used to be a liberal with some moderates. Now it's a leftist party with some liberals, and whether it's de Blasio, Elizabeth Warren, uh, O'Malley, Obama, um, Hillary— uh, these are not liberals. Uh, these are, are people who believe in statist solutions uh, but, but looking uh, to our problems. But looking specifically, I don't want to get into the Uber thing with de Blasio. Because, <laughs> but, uh, in uh, we came here on Uber, by the oh, way, really? and, uh, and uh, I'm glad there wasn't a limit on the numbers that we might still be waiting. Um, obviously, he, universal pre-K was a big deal for him. He's also uh, done the, uh, the stop and frisk. He's, uh, do you think... Ultimately, and I guess Bratton came out today and surprised some people and said he's not going to serve an entire eight years if Tabazio is reelected. Do you think uh, we're going to see some deterioration in some of the Giuliani gains? Uh, uh, I think we are. I think uh, the demonizing of the police department was part of his campaign. Uh, proactive policing made New York the safest big city in America, uh, and and now that is being eliminated. Um, we have seen him go after charter schools, and I think. 
competition in education is absolutely critical to continue to improve that. Quality of life was always a, uh, something that for the last uh, decade New Yorkers were able to take for granted, and now that is starting to come into question. So I think it's just sad that uh, uh, some of the progress that has been that had been made at enormous cost over decades is being lost, and I fear that with de Blasio as mayor, that will continue. Uh, I lied. One last one. (laughs) Governor Bush, uh, a lot of people uh, had assumed he'd be uh, putting some separation between him and everybody else at this point in time. Certainly has raised enough money. Why do you think uh, he just hasn't rocketed off? Um, (laughs) We can talk about that later. (laughs) (laughs) Give a little... Give, give a slightly sanitized version. I think he was a very good governor. How about as a candidate? I think he was a very good governor. <laughs> Expound on that just ever so slightly more. Why do you think, I mean, clearly he has, uh, this is a guy who has uh, had already established in Florida a level of competence governing yes, a really large uh, state. and in particularly in education reform, he did a tremendous job. But what is it that the standard, you, you know, you've got your, your finger on the pulse of this, you're trying to figure this out yourself. What do you think it is about the Republican electorate so far that hasn't connected with the guy who should, who by all means should be? You know, I was asked about, you know, how come the Republicans when it seems so many of the Republican ideas and so many of the positions uh, make more sense, whether it's national defense or growing the economy or lowering the burden of taxes on ordinary Amer- Americans, creating more jobs. One of the things uh, I said in response to that is, we know we haven't nominated enough guys who worked in a factory, you know. And then the questioner goes, "Did you work in a factory?" And I go, "Well, yeah, I did actually. Summer vacation, that, Christmas yeah. vacation. Yeah. I worked in a factory." But we need to have a candidate who not only, I think, has proven the ability to govern effectively and well, has proven the ability to, to uh, change uh, the direction of, of government, but also who can relate to blue-collar Americans, to Americans who aren't particularly politically partisan or motivated. Uh, and, and one of the reasons I'm running is because I know I can do that. And the Bush, uh, you know, and I mean— I was referring generically to the field. I know. I know. Uh, but in the, uh, I mean, you defeated the you defeated a Cuomo. Yes, that was uh, one can argue is a New York uh, dynasty. I mean, mm-hmm. do you mm-hmm. feel that to some extent people are turned off by both on the Clinton side and on the Bush side? You know, this is a country of 320 million people, and I think it would be uh, really uh, not the the greatest commentary on the status of our democracy if we end up uh, with candidates from two from both parties who have relatives who have held the office. Well, I've, I feel I've finally squeezed that out of you. <laughs> so on that note, thank you so much, Governor Pataki. It was a pleasure to talk yeah, to you. Yeah, you're very good. You should be a, an interrogator for the police department. <laughs> uh, thank you. I enjoyed it very much. Thank you.